AI revolution. Are you ready? In April, we started the conversation around AI and innovation versus humanity. So on this episode, we're gonna talk a little deeper and talk all around the AI revolution and talk about what are the impacts across different industries as well as certain case studies and then the future of AI. So let's start the countdown. Welcome to the CG Hour. My name is Fanny Dunnigan and I am your host, where every episode we come to you featuring technology leaders, business experts, and we dive deep into the various trending topics across technology. And this episode, we're gonna talk all around the AI revolution. For those of you that are tuning in live right now on YouTube as well as LinkedIn, Make sure you say hi in the comments and introduce yourselves. Tell people where you're tuning in from and use the comments as a place for you to meet other people online and build your business network of professionals. So thank you for tuning in. As I mentioned, this episode is all around the AI revolution. But before I introduce you to our amazing guests, I want to first play for you a research video that we did to kind of set the context and give you some of the statistics. So let's roll that right now. Welcome everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're tuning in from. For those of you that are just dropping by, this is the CG Hour where we're gonna talk all around the AI revolution. Let's see who's tuned in so far. I see DeRozan from, oh, look at this, Cape Town, South Africa has tuned in. Uh, Stephen Warmington from South Lake, Texas. Uh, Guillermo from Bedford, Texas. Welcome, thank you for joining us. We're gonna talk all around the impact of AI on data, CRM, 
and the impacts across industries. And today I'm joined by a wonderful panelist of experts. Over here on my right, I want to introduce all of you to Rob Flint. Welcome, Rob. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Rob is an executive with over 25 years of leadership experience in management consulting, business development, strategic business planning, and large business sales. And his entrepreneurial spirit and creativity helps customers problem solve and find practical business solutions for big picture and day-to-day -day concerns. He's led multiple large-scale projects at CG Infinity involving application development, Salesforce implementations, ERP selection, data migration, data analytics, and production support. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. And then over here on my right is Mr. Tushar Mutreja. <laughs> Thanks Welcome, Tushar, from <laughs> Salesforce. He is the VP of Alliances and Channels at Salesforce, a highly accomplished entrepreneurial global executive with a consistent track record of incubating and scaling partnerships and businesses that deliver significant increased revenue. And over 25 years of successful business development, alliance management, direct and indirect sales, and marketing experience across multiple geographies. Welcome, Tushar. Thank you for having me, Fanny. So glad you could join us. It's a pleasure. And last but not least, mm. our very own at CG Infinity, Louis Mangiacopra, Senior VP of Data and Cloud at CG Infinity. Welcome, Louis. Thank How you, Fanny. How are you? I'm doing great. Excited to talk about today. <laughs> Absolutely. Louis is an experienced technology leader with 15 plus years focused on building, managing, and deploying enterprise class data and analytics platforms. He is hands-on and well-versed in emerging technologies with a strong business acumen and a talent for identifying technology gaps that drive business goals and increase revenue. And he specializes in helping transform how organizations integrate people and modern technology to drive business outcomes. So glad you could join us, uh, Lewis. Thank you, Fanny. So we're going to jump straight in. And as you guys watch across the different platforms, please be sure to connect with our guests of experts and also drop your comments and questions in the comments below so that we can kind of interact with you as well and bring on some of your questions as we discuss. So as we kind of start, I wanted to kind of dive in first about the current state of AI and observations that you guys are all seeing. Uh, maybe we'll start with you, Rob. What are some of the current state or challenges that you're seeing around AI and data right now? Yeah, so you know, beside privacy and security issues, which we hear about all the time, yeah. um, one topic in particular that's, that's at least recently relevant to me is, is the education factor, the component. So there's, there's a lot of information out there the technology is growing rapidly at, a, at an exponential pace unlike anything we've ever seen before. And smart executives, leaders of companies, are, are doing the best they can to possibly close that education gap. And, and I'll use an example. I had lunch with the, the other day with a CEO of a, of a large customer of ours, um, a very smart person, and, and he sat down and said, look, I, I, I understand that artificial intelligence is something that I need to embrace, and I think it's something that 
that if I deploy effectively can provide our company with a competitive advantage, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. And, and I don't know, or my team doesn't know what we don't know, so can you help us? And so those types of conversations are, are conversations that I'm having with a lot of folks. Yeah. So education, I think, is a big challenge. Where to start? Where to start. Critical mm -hmm. question. Tushar, I mean, Dream, uh, Salesforce just had this huge AI event, uh, Dreamforce. What are you guys observing in terms of the current state and the challenges around AI? Yeah, so generative AI mm -hmm. is probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest step change in technology, equivalent to probably what I would say is when mobile phones came in or before that internet, right? Dating myself, I had mm -hmm. my Netscape moment ages ago when Telnet was there, but when Netscape came, mm -hmm. it became usable. You could use it, you can leverage it to do daily jobs. Same thing happened with ChatGPT. So I think when ChatGPT came in, it's only been six plus months, yeah. right? It's yeah. not even that long. Yeah. They've got, it took them two and a half months to get to two months, I think, get to 100 million users. Yeah. Contrast that with TikTok, which took them two and a half years to get to 100 million users. Yeah. So there's a lot of buzz around the technology, a yeah. lot of interest, right? A lot of uh, interest to figure out how you can be more productive. And in a B2C scenario, that's actually working out very, very well. But when you think about enterprise, where companies like Salesforce are custodians of their customer data, yeah. we have to have a double click and make sure we are protecting that data and not exposing it to the large language models that are being created. Yeah. So I think when we think about AI, we want to be able to leverage the power of generative AI yeah. to ensure our customers are benefiting from it but at the same time, we want to make sure we are creating a trusted environment to protect what they are also liable for, which is the data of their customers. So I think it's an exciting time, but we have to kind of cautiously walk this fine line of generating value while creating, keeping trust pretty high. Yeah, and the age-old term that garbage <laughs> in, garbage out, right, for d right. round data. Um, Lewis, I know you're very passionate about data and cloud. What are some of your observations as to cur the current challenges around AI right now? I think, uh, you know, kind of building on Tushard's point is data science, AI, ML, it's been around for a while, but the difference is we went from, you know, you know, a couple of years ago where you needed a guy with a PhD to understand what's going on. And now anybody can log into, you know, you, you know, mentioned ChatGPT, Chat GPT, there's a lot of other platforms coming out just like that, that turns anybody, you know, into a, um, makeshift data scientist for lack of a better term. There's some areas from a productivity where you can see it go great up or you see students that are now thinking that this is their development platform, they put it in there. So I think there's a interesting level of trust between how much do I rely on the AI, but how much can I let it optimize my life in there? Now that I have access to it, I don't need somebody with a PhD in statistics to interpret it for me. I can go out there, try it for myself, see how I can give my either myself or my company a competitive edge. So it's very interesting seeing how this landscape has been playing out for this last year. It almost like democratizes. Absolutely. Data, right? yeah. Everybody can interpret and analyze. Yeah, it's like if we have used the term citizen developer for ages, mm -hmm. but this is probably the first time where instead of learning how a language that our computers understand, 
we're doing the opposite. Where computers are trying to understand our language, our natural language. So the possibilities which is available for everybody in the industry is so pervasive for us. Right. So generally, I'm that's why I'm very optimistic, cautious, but very very optimistic about what this means. Now, Tushar, for the longest time, right, Salesforce is known as a customer-focused company, and it still is. But I kind of heard recent announcements around moving from the CRM side to the AI side, right? Talk a bit more about that. Yeah, it's we are still a customer-focused company. Customer success is one of our top values as a company. And I think that was the reason why we started evolving to an AI and data company, is as ChatGPT came along, we have been doing, like Louis said, been doing data, we have been doing prediction, predictive AI for quite some time through Einstein, right? We have one of the largest uh, prediction engine in the industry, having doing a trillion predictions a year. But I think with generative AI, we realized the step change value that our customers could benefit with the large language models that are available. So we pivoted to kind of give that additional value to our customers. So today, Salesforce is data, AI, and CRM company because that's where it all comes Mm -hmm. in. The data is the center focus of Mm -hmm. ensuring you're able to use the right data to create with the large language models to deliver productivity in the flow of work whether you're selling to the customer, whether you're servicing the customer, whether you're marketing, right? And that's a core function of CRM, is to improve productivity and employee experience as we go along. Mm. So it's an exciting time in Salesforce's journey as we look in the future. Improve productivity and customer experience, key words, definitely. Mm. Now, Rob, as a consultant, you know, what are your customers telling you that's kind of keeping them up at night around AI? What are their concerns? you know, top concerns? Yeah, good question, Um, quite a bit. So uh, a primary concern is what are my competitors doing around AI such that they're creating a competitive competitive advantage for them that then is putting my company behind? That's number one. Um, Number two is where do they start? You know, this this is so big, and I agree with you, people, I think, I think if you're, thinking of it in the right light, you should approach it with, with cautious optimism. And I think that the, the C-level executives who we interact with on a day-to-day basis, they're, they're approaching it with that, that mindset. So where do they start? And if they have started, what is the end game, yep. right? And, and so this is an investment, right? It's not just an investment in terms of dollars, it's an investment in terms of people and time and effort. So what's the end game? Um, and then there's, there's some concerns around, you know, what what tools or platforms should I use? Am I using the right tools or platforms? So those are those are the things that that, that I hear a lot in conversations that I have with with mm-hmm. our customers around AI. Absolutely. And for those of you that are tuning in, right? How do you feel about AI? Do you feel ready? Are you cautiously optimistic? Mm-hmm. Let us know in the comments your thoughts around that. And then, Lewis, what are you hearing from your customers? What are some of their the things that keep them up at night. I think, you know, I think Rob hit on a lot of great points, but I also think the security aspect of it. So a lot of the, you know, the CISOs or the, the chief information officers are looking at this and saying, what proprietary data are my employees potentially uploading to this large language model? You know, with ChatGPT, whatever you're inputting into there is now becoming part of, you know, yep. the big collection of, of information in there. So. 
do I have the proper security controls in place that prevent my, my teammates or you know, my employees from potentially uploading something that could be customer sensitive, could be proprietary to our knowledge. Um, there's been a couple of news stories that have made it. And I think there's a lot of uh, um, adaptations. What we're hearing is, hey, I, wanna, I want the power of ChatGPT, but I want you to build it for us in a, in a private cloud. So it's only for our aspect to do it. And I think it goes back to you know, what Salesforce and, and Tushard was saying that you know, companies have a responsibility for their data. And now it used to be that they would secure a database or they would secure reports. But with some of the advancements in these tools, they now make it where I can go upload an Excel to a third party and hopefully my company has gotten ahead of the game. And I think putting in some of those areas that we want our employees to benefit, we want to get that competitive edge, but we want to make sure we're doing it in a secure way that we're not going to make the news because somebody uploaded our trade secrets or our customer information somewhere. Yeah, and the biggest challenge is the employees and customers, and you talked about education. Yeah. They don't know what they right. don't know. Yep. Right, so while the intent might be good to Absolutely. leverage the model, but you might actually be exposing a lot of information during mm -hmm. that part. I think as we help organizations adopt AI for their benefit, that is a critical aspect in terms of change management yep. and how to educate individuals. What's okay, what's not, and that's where like Salesforce has introduced this thing called Einstein trust layer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. And that's one of the ways to ensure that you're leveraging the large language models, you're leveraging the benefits of the technology, but at the same time, you're giving it, I like to say amnesia, yeah. so that it's not staying there, right? Yep. The data is not mm -hmm. staying there, so you can kind of benefit out of it. Absolutely. And Rob, what, do you, what are your customers excited about around AI? That's another good question. Um, you know, I, I think that, to boil it down in simple terms, I, th I think that they're, they're focused, they rally around, uh, what can we do to uh, attain or earn a quick win, mm -hmm. right? So what area of their business, whether it's sales or service or marketing or, or what have you, um, identifying a quick win, putting together uh, a team of good people who can, can help with that work, um, you know, selecting the right platform and tools, uh, you know, building the right model, and then, and then you know, seeing what the output is, and then making course corrections if necessary. I mean, I think you know, the smart way is to just bite off a little bit and then, yeah. and then see what happens as opposed to trying to boil the ocean all at once. So, Test it out. Yep. Short, quick wins for sure. No, absolutely. Jashar, yeah. what are you hearing is the, the buzz and excitement around your customers? What are they looking forward to? I think it's a lot, we have a lot of mind share right now. Yeah. It is top of mind. Everyone wants to exper experiment, dabble into it, but we have to help them define the outcome. So like Rob said, yeah. right? quick pilots, quick engagements, wherein you can see real productive, real outcomes or ROIs of the investment. It's a very critical part. Like as Salesforce, again, just highlighting this, we also recognize Gen AI is dependent on data, right? Mm -hmm. Garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. So as one of the announcements in Dreamforce we gave, we announced is we are giving a version of data cloud, some parts of it for limited use, mm -hmm. free at cost, so that customers can start generating benefit out of it and hence define the use cases that will benefit them greatly. Absolutely. 
For those of you in the audience, let us know what you're excited about when it comes to AI. I saw a comment here from Stacy Jan. She said, great points, data science being accessible to so many more people now. That point around democratization of the data and then the analytics as well. Now, speaking of Dreamforce, uh, CG Infinity recently had a, a huge road trip uh, towards Dreamforce <laughs> in San Francisco. Rob, I want you to tee up this video that we're going to play next. Yeah, so, so we, we take on a, a road trip or we do a road trip every year. It's the third year that we've done this. And, and we've done it or we do it because we want to celebrate our partnership with Salesforce, uh, celebrate the great relationships that we have with our Salesforce friends and our customers, customers who we share. And, and we, we take on this road trip where we start in a destination. And so this year we started in Key West, Florida, and we drove all the way across the country up north to San Francisco where we ended up. And I think in total we did uh, 4,755 miles. And the last point I'll make is everywhere in between, we, we stopped and visited with customers. We visited with Salesforce friends in Atlanta and then in Houston and Irvine and San Francisco. And it was a blast. And the best part is we, we take a, a cutoff of, of our friend from Salesforce with us um, throughout the trip. So we're, we're very fortunate to do it. The feedback has been great and it was a lot of fun. Awesome. So let's roll that video now and you guys can see a glimpse into that journey.
what an amazing journey. And Rob, it, yeah, it definitely looks like you had a companion along the we whole did. time. We did. We did. He was there for support. He was there for support. Awesome. So let's get a little tactical now, right? Um, I mean, for all the concepts and the discussion around AI, at the end of the day, it's how can we apply it and what are the case studies around it? So I wanted to kind of start with you, Lewis. What have you kind of seen as the practical uses and case studies around AI right now? Yeah, I think that's that's a fun one because a lot of the clients we're talking to, they that's one of the things that I know I can do this little sliver with ChatGPT or another type of large language model. What else? What new ideas can you bring? Um, was recently working with a financial institution that they really wanted to focus on a customer 360. They had very they had a lot of great data in there. They had a lot of different aspects and different things that they had built over the years, but how do they empower their employees to do better campaigns? How do they take some of the feedback? How do you build in when somebody calls into the call center, I have all of the information around them. And instead of them going out and buying a new tool or going into a large development cycle, we built out kind of a private cloud for them that allows them to access these large language models. But it was sitting on public data plus their internal banking data. So now when you have you know, CRMs or you have different employees at the bank that want to know about it, they're going in, they're getting that same user look and feel as they do to chat GPT, but doing it in a secure way. And so at the end of the day, we're driving, it's really a customer 360, it's a marketing effort of, hey, here's the campaign I've done, can you help me build out a new email campaign? Or can you analyze our website? And what's our SEO optimization strategies that these people, they, they might have known that that was something to do, but the technical knowledge to know how to do that was either limited or they had to go hire a consulting firm. So empowering them to do that, make those decisions, better reach their customers. And then from their customer aspect, now they're getting to see, hey, I've logged in. This might be a nice small regional bank or community bank that I know the bankers. I can call them up on my cell but I still get all of the great features as if I were gonna go you know, bank with one of the, the large enterprise banks. So it's been very interesting seeing unleashing their, their internal team members to be able to do this in a way that's secured and they don't have to worry about you know, having a data breach, but they still get that same productivity that people are used to with the chat GPT interface. Yeah, what a great example, in the, especially in the banking industry. And for those of you out there, let us know how you're using AI in the various industries that you're from. And let us know what industries you're in right now. Uh, Tushar, what kind of use cases have you seen with Salesforce and AI? So before we go to Salesforce, right, yeah. I'd, I'd, you and I were talking about my wife just opened up a studio, yes. right, kind of bringing it personal, right? And she, when she was going through the process of using opening the studio, we needed to figure out the permitting aspects, right? How do you get the occupancy certificate? What is the process? How do you get the unemployment tax mm -hmm. uh, ID, right? And after searching on the internet, I actually used ChatGPT, right? Yeah. And I got very clear instructions mm -hmm. what to do. It made the process so seamless. Mm -hmm. So the possibilities and what would have been great if I were to have just clicked a button and actually did this, occupancy certificate filing, but that didn't happen. <laughs> but that that is definitely there. In terms of Salesforce perspective, right, There's we are seeing a lot of use cases around marketing, around customer, uh, customer experience or customer success, yeah. sorry, customer service. One example, 
that I'd like to call out is William Sonoma, right? Mm. They're one of our customers. Uh, not because my wife likes to shop in Pottery Barn. <laughs> we, uh, we have done a lot of work there, right? Spent a lot of money out there. Uh, thank you, William Sonoma, if you're listening. You have an amazing brand. You do a lot of good stuff out there. Um, William Sonoma has a lot of customers, and they have a lot of database of the customers through first party, that is customers who have transacted with them, either in-store or online, or through third-party data, or through browsing history, right? So they needed to figure out a way to uh, keep that nurture, that customer base, based on the phase of the journey they were in. So they leveraged our data cloud mm -hmm. to actually create a customer 360 view on the customer, segmented it based on their niche audiences, whether you're a college student, you're a new mom, new parent, mm -hmm. your journey, and based on that, that insights created a marketing cloud-oriented triggers to facilitate that journey. So simple things like if someone bought a crib for a newborn, mm. about 18 months, 24 months, you're ready to buy a toddler bed, right? So how do you kind of nurture that journey? Mm. So that's, these are kind of the use cases and real-life examples that we are starting to see customers benefit from. And this is like going back to the mm -hmm. statistic you showed in the beginning, right? 52% of the data is unused. This yeah. actually kind of bridges the gap significantly. And makes the predictions from there. Yes. Predict yeah. consumer behavior. Yeah. Very exciting. And then makes me spend more money, right? Uh. <laughs> um, Rob, what about you? What industries or case studies do you see the impact of AI right now? Yeah, so I'll say that because you mentioned Williams and Sonoma, I think my wife probably received 10 emails from them <laughs> in the course of your conversation, so thank you. Um, but, I, but I do agree with you, uh, in, in, in my experience, at least certainly within the last six months, uh, the, the, the use cases that customers want to pursue or build out are, are focused on service and, and marketing. Mm. And it's not to say that there aren't any sales or e-commerce right. related use cases or other related use cases. Um, you know, Lewis, you, you've talked about a banking customer. I know that or we do a lot of work with energy and utilities clients. And, and you know, it's, it's predominantly around, you know, predicting electricity and gas pricing, um, detecting uh, equipment that's not working correctly, right? Um, trying to optimize energy usage, right? And then certainly around, you know, the, the customer service aspect, the customer experience, right? So, so we see a lot of that. Um, you know, I'll throw a, a new one out. Um, I had a, a, a meeting with uh, a customer, I think it was day before yesterday, in a very large business. Um, they're, they're operating in a very unique environment right now where in a period of high interest rates, their inventory is going up, but the price of that inventory is falling. And, and that's a bad inflection point for them to be at. Mm -hmm. So inventory management is something that they really want to focus on. And they think, speaking of the competitive advantage, that by leveraging AI to help them make better, quicker decisions around inventory, that that will be an advantage for them. So um, that was something relatively new that wasn't necessarily um, service or, or marketing related. So look forward to, to diving deep into that problem. And I think you see sometimes with those where a lot of these companies, they have you know, it might be the founder, it might be some of the leaders that have this gut, and that's yep. how they ran the business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what this generative AI is allowing them to do is to build customized models that allow their, their gut to scale. 
and saying these are the inflection points I know for my 30, my 40, my 50 years in this industry that we should be watching, but I don't know how to build out all the data. Yep. So taking those type of things, saying when we see these things occur, let's go trigger these types of models and these large language models will generate based on that type of training around your, your gut or your it factor to help you now scale across other inflection points. And I think that's getting where it's very exciting for these companies to see how they're leveraging that or how they can put a plan in to leverage that. Yeah, and I think if you kind of pull it further, generally realizing that gut meant in lot more investment. Absolutely, yeah. Right, and today you can step back and say, I do have access to all of these technologies mm -hmm. to help me test it out. So I think that is the other part, the benefit of Gen AI that we are all going to see is we'll be able to do a lot more with the tools that are available and benefit from all the learnings in the industry right. that yep. will come along. That's what makes it so scary. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all have that that feeling, that that gut feeling that it's right, but it's sometimes difficult to trust, and you've just kind of got to put yourself out there. Of course, have this, the the guardrails that you need, but that's right. that's a big part of what we do as consultants mm -hmm. is is working with folks to trust their yeah, gut and like, not to take this on another direction. But I think this is where consultants, enterprise firms like ourselves. But even the government and the public policy has to come in very, yep. very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it is important to manage this from a policy standpoint. Because mm -hmm. I would say 99.9% .9 of the individuals are fair. They want to leverage it for good mm -hmm. aspects mm -hmm. and betterment of society. But there will be some other aspects. Oh, it's already happening, yeah. 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 And you need to have those policies to kind of help us manage through it. Well, I mean, you, you guys mentioned now a bunch of hot topic words, right? Can we trust it? Yep. And then the governance around it, the ethics around it. Rob, what are you kind of seeing or, or your thoughts around how much can we trust of this AI and the data and the predictive analysis that's coming out of it? So, I mean, there's, there's some, or actually there's a lot of pessimism. I mean, I think one of the stats that you threw up in the intro video, yeah. you know, although one, or the top priority for, for CEOs by far is AI, but then on the other side, it was 52% of employees don't trust it, yeah. right? They have, they have security and privacy concerns. So bridging that gap is, is important. Um, you know, I think, you know, look, as, as somebody that lives, eats, drinks, sleeps, breathes Salesforce, um, you know, I think that what Salesforce has done around, you know, building out and defining the, the responsibilities that, that, that that not only from a, a software provider standpoint, but from a partner standpoint and a customer standpoint. So responsibility, inclusiveness, sustainability, um, those types of things, those are good pillars to, to work with to make sure that we're, we're doing the right things together, right? Um, you know, there's a whole trust layer around Einstein GPT, um, which, which the way that I boil it down is that, you know, you input a, a, a query Right, and then whatever is 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 spit back out. That that process from start to finish, is is truly protected, right? Um, whether it's data masking or the deletion of data eventually, mm -hmm. um, and and so, they they I think Salesforce has planted a flag, and so partners like us and your customers are are following, and and I think that that's a, a good, a good direction ahead in to, to bridge yeah, that trust we, gap. Yeah, and we firmly believe. The only way to do this is through trusted AI, yep. right. mm. which is where the Einstein GPT and the trust layer comes in. We also are building like the audit trails in it because 
if you think about this, the hallucinations or other yeah. things that will happen out mm -hmm. here, you need to obviously need human intervention to ensure, right? It's not completely blind and being leveraged, but should something happen, you need to be able to audit it so that yeah. you can course correct in the future. So I think, again, I would, I would go back to my original comment. I am very, very optimistic about the benefits of it, but I'm also pragmatic that there could be challenges. So we have mm -hmm. to be cautious and kind of building those tools around it to get the benefit, but at the same time protect a human, us in individuals, mm -hmm. as well as the data, as well as the, there's so many things, IP, yeah. there are so many things that yeah. will come along with it, so. I love that. And actually, I wanna poll the audience here online that we have. Give us a percentage of how much you trust, whether it's ChatGBT or some of the AI tools that you're using right now, from zero to 100%, what percentage do you trust the AI tools that you're using right now? And then, Louis, what about you? Like Customer 360, right? The, the things that come out of it, how much do you feel like we can trust it? So I think there's, there's two main themes that I've been seeing. One is the data hallucinations. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, a, I, I love that, that word too, because if you've played <laughs> it all with ChatGPT, you see sometimes it's like, that is the most random response I've seen. And hopefully you, you can look through it and, and give a better prompt to get a better response. Mm -hmm. But how the models are built, and you can change the settings on how they're done, but you might get results. You, you might put in there, hey, tell me my, my company's sales projections. And it says, oh, you're gonna grow 2000% next year. And you know, as somebody looking at it, say, well, this is this is completely garbage, and I think that's where you're you're struggling because people are sometimes taking that as this is the truth. You know, the, yeah. the computer told me that this is doing it. I've especially seen that with with young developers. They're in there, they're using it as a learning aid, which I think is phenomenal. But then when their code produces an error, they're they're what do I do? The the ChatGPT gave me the wrong answer, and it's like, yeah. well, hang on, go go search that. Go to these these sites that traditional developers have used. I think that's one side of it. The other part that kind of getting into the the regulations of it is, you know, there's there's been a lot of debate about censorship. Yeah. For some of these companies, are they potentially going to censor data that is, you know, might have a political or might have a, a, a geography-based thing that we don't want to do here. Is that good? Who decides what's going to be censored? And it's not a it's not an easy discussion. It's it's a very long thought out of how do we have the checks and balances in there? How do you keep some of the bad actors on there? How do you take it from, you know, right now I've seen I just read a study about these scammers that were using it that now there's a lot of generative voice um, options out there. So you can have Chat GPT write up a script for you, and now you can go have you know President Biden recite that speech to you they just use samples of there and so they're they're doing this and you know think of all the scammers that call up and tell you your your car warranty's out of date or this is microsoft or whatever technology they 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 pray after certain age groups are they going to be using some of these tools to go in there and and how do we get ahead of that and because you know typically you would get an email it's all misspelled and and you could you could see that very quickly but i think we're entering a new area of how do we track some of that ahead of time yep. yeah and I want to call out um, Conroy D'Souza actually asked that exact question. How do we manage the AI hallucinations, which Lewis addressed there. And so I'm starting to see the percentages we have everywhere from 50-50 to 60 percent 
Um, and I do like this 65% was so far the highest that I have huh. seen in the comments. Um, a great point with, from Rob Palacios in the comments. He said, you trust the data, but verify, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. The verification. So I want to switch gears real quick. For all the technology that we're involved in, it's still critical that we also look at the communities that we live in, right? The relationships that we build. And one of the things that I know CG Infinity and Salesforce is very passionate about is this 1% pledge for communities. Tishar, you want to talk a bit about what that 1% pledge is? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love it. Mm. I've been with Salesforce for about little over 11 years, and one of the things that keeps me incented all the time is our community approach. When Mark and Parker from the company, they created this 111 model is 1% of product, 1% of our equity, and 1% of our employees' time would be dedicated to community development, uh, nonprofit causes. And it, who knew, right? Well, pledge 1% has become yeah. uh, uh, some kind of a revolution where most of the folks are signing up for it. Just to put some perspective, we have donated uh, $240 million in grants through this program. Wow. Uh, I think around 39,000 nonprofits, give or take, actually run on Salesforce as part of the program. Yeah. And employees volunteer have volunteered more than 1.4 million hours through this. I personally volunteer with a, a society in India wherein we are educating girl child and ensuring that the education mm -hmm. is available for them. Mm -hmm. So we all use our time based on causes that are close to us. Nice. So thank that. you for asking it. Yeah. It's very, very important. One of our biggest values at Salesforce. For all the innovation, we also want to remember the humanity. So let's play that video right now of some of the examples of this 1% pledge that CG Infinity is involved in.
Okay, so we've talked about the current state, we've looked at some use cases, and now we want to talk around the future. You know, what can we look forward to? What can we expect? Tashar, I know Einstein GPT is the buzzword right now. Tell us more about what that is and what can we look forward to with Einstein GPT? Einstein GPT is uh, the world's first generative AI for CRM. Uh, we have had Einstein for some time from a predictive standpoint, but this is generative, which leverages all of the data of our customers sitting in Salesforce mm. uh, and creating uh, responses based on the interactions. Einstein GPT is essentially, in the way I would think about it, is a platform that feeds all of our core clouds, whether it is sales GPT, service GPT, marketing, commerce, and all those. And it really orients us to around being able to solve three to four major issues for our customers, which is service agent productivity through generating responses real time, not only with uh, when they call in, but through the responses that are available across various platforms like knowledge base, content creation for marketing and commerce. Mm -hmm. And then I think the one part that Lewis, you talked about earlier is code generation yeah. for improving productivity for DevOps. I think that's a very critical aspect mm -hmm. of, uh, of the technology that we're talking about. Einstein GPT, obviously we just briefly talked about has the Einstein GPT trust layer built into it mm -hmm. to ensure we are leading the way with the trusted AI yeah. as we go forward. Yeah. I fully expect this to continue on for us to drive adoption of AI. That audit Rob, side of it. Audit side of it, right? yeah. Yeah. Rob, as you look towards the next three to five years, how do you see your customers leveraging AI to be competitive? So I think that a default answer could be something, you know, some bell and whistle that is is really cool, you know, cutting edge, sexy. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of bring it down a bit. I I want to live in in reality. And so we've talked about kind of where our customers are, right? Um, trust but verify. They don't know what they they know yet, right? But they know that they need to take this path or want to take this path for for the reasons we we've, we've discussed during this this conversation. My, my, my hope is that, that in the next five years, there's, we, we reach this, this nexus point where the investments that they've made in AI have, have truly delivered uh, the results that they were after, they are after, right? The competitive advantages they're after. Um, all the while, um, you know, maintaining some, some human aspect of how they do business, right? Um, you kind of, touched on it a little bit, the, the, the dependence on AI. And, and I think over-dependence leads to a lack of creativity and individual right. thought, which is so important. Um, and so I, that's kind of what I think of. Um, you know, what's going to happen five years from now is what's going to be available five years from now. I, I can only guess. I mean, I, it's, it, I, I don't want to speculate. But, but I, just, I want that, that cross point to occur for our customers. And, and I want to be a part of helping them get to that point. I love this comment that we got from Marcello in the comments. He said, no PhD needed, even my granddad is using this. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's that democratization. Nice. Yep. Right? Um, Lewis, now, I know you're very passionate about integration, especially across platforms. Mm -hmm. Where do you kind of see that 
area of it around AI and that kind of, you mentioned all these different systems that have data and then being able to bring it all together. Where do you see the future yeah. of that? I think one of my favorite announcements at Dreamforce, and there was a lot of great ones, was, but really their, their new partnership with Snowflake. Mm. So they, this concept of BYOL, bring your own lake. And, and really what they're doing, you think of, of um, it, it's, it's this great mashup. I mean, Snowflake, leading provider from a data collection, data warehousing, and you have Salesforce, who's been the, the leader for over a decade. And now you're doing it where, what this partnership really is doing is saying, okay, company, if you spent millions of dollars, you've spent time collecting all of your data, this is big data warehouse or, or some system, what if you could have that instantly available to you inside of your snow, inside of your Salesforce instance? Um, what if we gave you free licenses to actually go play in it? So a lot of the stuff that Tushar was talking about, a lot of these guardrails that we put on top of it, if I take my CRM and I take this large data lake or this large data warehouse I have, maybe I put some AI models on there, but now you're exposing both of those. There's not a whole lot of you know ETL or traditional data pipelines that you have to do how they've done this partnership, it, it's, it's, it's uh, phenomenal. They, they've made it where behind the scenes, they're doing all the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. So as a customer, if I might have both of these systems, I can go turn on a couple of switches, I can go test it out because you're getting free licenses, and now I have, I have the ability to unlock all of my analytics across all of the platforms. And I think you're gonna continue to see some of those type of partnerships blossom. But yeah, this one with, with Snowflake and Salesforce, it's gonna be exciting, especially seeing how our customers can benefit and how we can think up these big ideas and have the data. You're not waiting on IT to go build out these, these integrations. And it's that point earlier around the research that right now only half, 50% of the data is actually being used. Absolutely, yep. So yeah. be able to bring it all together mm -hmm. and then make even more predictions. And as you know, we have customers, I mean, we people who, customers who use Salesforce, who also use Snowflake. Yeah. And, and to build on what, what you just shared about uh, the partnership and bring your own lake, we're working on offerings or we have offerings around a strategy workshop and an implementation workshop where we're actually turning on that connection for, for customers. Um, and we're, we're obviously partnering with, working very closely with Lewis. We're very excited about what, what that's gonna bring to our customers. Definitely. Now there's this great question that I really want to bring forward from Lisa Jordan in the comments. How soon, and this is I think to any of you, how soon do you think we'll see regulations for ethical use of data in AI models? Any predictions? I think we already are already seeing some of them. I mean, you have stuff like, you know, California years ago, they, they started, you know, the CCPA, the California Consumer Protection Act, and a lot of states have started adopting small, they might not have enabled them, and even the, the concept of the right to be deleted. And so being able to say, if I'm in your platform, I should be able to call up and do it. Well, I know that's not necessarily answering the full question, but I think that's the steps of people might not want to be part of this full large language model. So how do we have stuff that could take out my company's IP or, or take it out? There's been some lawsuits against um, some of these larger companies with like code repositories. So there's these, um, like Stack Overflow is a great example. This used to be the go-to site where you could go ask other developers content. Um, is that considered public domain? You have these large language models that are pulling it in to help produce stuff. And you know, there, there's going back and forth with the courts. Well, can you take that? Is it not? It's on the website. Is it public? So I think we'll continue to see that iterate. But I think the foundation is is definitely already there. I think the U.S. has an 
a unique opportunity to lead the world on right. this one. Yep. I think you're right. I, as I understand, there's a lot of congressional hearings going around, around this part. Yeah. I believe Sam Altman, the founder mm -hmm. of OpenAI, has had multiple appearances out there, so he's kind of guiding. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for US to lead, but it needs to be done. So when you ask the question, my answer in my mind was yesterday, but I, I think the sooner the better. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll continue to have lots and lots of conversations around AI. Um, I do want to do a quick shout out right now to a, um, one of our, the president of CG Infinity, Sarajit Kanango. Um, they have, him and Bopi Dahl have a book out right now called Demystifying IT, mm -hmm. because in the midst of all this technology, IT used to be thought of as this like operating overhead or operating Cost expense. Yeah. And now, as Sarajit always says, every business is a technology yep. business, as we kind of mm -hmm. saw from this discussion. So we want to share with you the book and podcast that talks around all this and how to demystify IT. Let's roll that right now. So as you saw, you can download a free chapter of Demystifying IT, um, and you can get that at demystifyingit.com. So as we kind of wrap up here, I want to go quickly around the table here, around the panel, and have each of you kind of share really quickly the top thing that you're most excited about around AI in the next year, even. Rob. So this is not related to kind of what I do, on a day-to-day -day basis, but the, the one thing that I'm most excited about, based on what I've read, is just all of the advancements around healthcare and and you know treatments of ailments and and hopefully you know coming up with with better treatments for cancer or cures for for diseases. Um, and so that's that's the one thing that I'm most excited about in, in following that trajectory. Tushar? So I'm definitely excited about what AI does for Salesforce's growth journey and our customers. But on a personal front, I think the opportunity with Gen AI on citizen to government interaction, the opportunity in education on reaching one is to one education for our students, teacher to student ratio in combination, or opportunity for healthcare research is so phenomenal. So I'm excited to see all of this come to bear very, very quickly because this is going to happen at a speed that we haven't seen in the past. Yeah, so I'm very, I kind of held excited. back from saying the next three years because I realized even in one year yeah, there'll yeah, be so right. many developments. Lewis, what are you most excited about? You know, I think mine is, it's kind of building on both of those guys. It's, it's how fast, you know, let's go back to cell phones. You know, we all had the Nokia that we could play Snake on, you know, it had a battery 
life that would do like a week. I had the Gordon Gecko oh, uh, phone exactly. uh, wow. on the beach. Right. <laughs> and so, and then now you look at the iPhone and, and how much you can do from there. And, and granted, that was a little bit longer time frame, but I think how fast we're seeing like ChatGPT, such a great example. You know, their website was down and people are waiting and they to, to go on there. Typically, if the website's down, you get mad, you go away. Right. There, people are like, I'll sit there and keep hitting the reload button until I can go do it. And I think that level of advancement, most of these large language models that we're doing, they're still trained on data that was cut off two, you know, three years ago, depending on which one you're doing. Some of them have got a little bit closer. So I think we're just going to keep seeing this extra, um, um, exponential growth that goes in there. I'm excited to kind of see all of the different aspects that where people are coming up with new ideas that we're applying it to that we haven't seen before, whether it be healthcare, whether it, it be in our personal lives or whether it just be competitive edge and trying to stay ahead of that so we can help offer some of our customers new solutions or new ideas around there. And for me, I mean, I'm in marketing, but what I'm really excited about is around the creativity that AI oh, yeah. is possible with tools like Midjourney and Canva. They've all kind of gotten into the imagery side of AI and generating images that we can only dream of in the past and we were never able to create. So I think there's tons of possibilities around that. And that actually ties into our next month's topic. It's all around creativity and AI. So make sure you save the date for Wednesday, November 15th. We're going to have another panel of experts, this time around creativity and AI. So save the date, November 15th. Thank you, Rob, Tushar, Lewis. Thank you for all your expert opinions and your thoughts and predictions. And it'll be interesting to see maybe like six months from now even if what those things have come true. So thank you very thank much. You for thank, you. Yeah, thank, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Tushar. And thanks Absolutely. to you for having, it. for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, okay, sir. And thank you to you all in the audience. Thank you for all your comments and questions. If we missed anything, we'll go back in there and address them, and we'll tag our experts to answer your questions that we missed. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, we want to remind you of a tagline that we live by, people first, driven to transform. Thank you for tuning in to the CG Hour, everyone.